0: This morning, if you would, turn with me to John chapter 14. Now, I know we've been in John quite a while. Actually, our readings from the past two weeks have been from the Gospel of John chapter 14. And we're going to revisit it again. It's, uh, it's one of these passages in Scripture that is just so powerful and cannot be missed. Notice, we're just going to read three verses here. So, there's a Bible that should be right there in front of you in your basket, in front of your seat there, if you want to follow along here. Notice in John chapter 14, that's the gospel of John chapter 14, we're going to read the first three verses. This is the Word of God. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. your word to us this morning. Lord, make it a word to us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm in Bangarapet, India, and it's about 5 o'clock or 5.30 in the morning, my time, and at night time Uh, for Jessica, and I get a phone call from her, which is not necessarily unusual. I I was waking up every day at 3, something like that, 3.30 every single day just because of the time zone change, and I get a phone call, and she is obviously upset. She's crying. She can't really get out what she's wanting to say, and I'm just... You know, I have this sinking feeling. You know what I mean? It's just in my gut now. I'm just like, oh, this is not good. And the first thing that crossed my mind is my brother's dead. I'm going to have to fly back. This is not... This is going to be good. I'm, you know, I've, I've missed, you know, this, this crisis event. And so I said, just just please tell me what it is. Just, just lay it out there, you know? Uh, let's just get past all the crying and all that kind of stuff. Just lay it out. And she said, I'm pregnant. And I'm like... <laughs> That's nothing new if you know us. <laughs> and it, how is that bad news again? <laughs> and so we, uh, we proceeded to talk, and I found out, you know, she was, um, she was very apprehensive about some things, and we had not necessarily planned it accordingly, And yet there we were, we were pregnant. And as, um, as we have with every child that we've had, we have five, um, and so every one of them we asked ourselves can we really love this next one that's coming along like we love the other ones? Because, I mean, we really love these other guys. You know what I mean? We really like them to be around here, and we, we've we given ourselves... You know, I don't know, somebody else coming in is always just a little... We've kind of stopped, don't we? And Should we really let them in? Should we really... Have, do we even have room for them? You know, do we have the money to support them? And we go fast forward now uh, to this year, and uh, and you know, they're obsessed with each other. If you don't if you don't uh, follow Jessica on Facebook or myself, we're, we're kind of really proud of this little girl over here, Blakely. And we have welcomed her into our home in such a way that she is a part of our life forever. And where we thought and were apprehensive about whether can we really love, you know, five people in the house like this? I mean, all, you know, in this powerful way that we need to as parents. And the reality is this... Love grows Amen. when you make space for it. If we just make space for it, it'll grow. It's a fascinating thing. You, you feel, I mean seriously, you, you worry, you know, days before. You're like, I, I just don't know if I can. we can do it. You, yeah, you can. You make space for it. Even in this room today, we've made space for a great presentation by our children. What an awesome thing. What a beautiful thing. And So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about Really, talk with you about room. Jesus mentions this, doesn't he? Oftentimes, this is actually confused. This is probably a, a, one, of those, one of those passages that, that gets sort of caught up in the King James language, and unfortunately, we form songs around it and ideas around it when in fact it doesn't have much weight outside of that King James interpretation. Notice people talk about mansions and we sing about mansions and this sort of thing in some of the old gospel stuff. But in fact, the term for mansion is sort of a poetic language here uh, in the King James only. As you notice here in your reading, check it out again in verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. You're like, hang on, where's the mansions, right? I thought I was supposed to get some big fat mansion, right? I mean, does that sound very very, uh, biblical though? I mean, honestly... I mean, have we ever, I mean, does it mean we're going to have an Audi parked outside, you know, and just a couple gold watches and stuff waiting for us? Is that really what heaven is supposed to be like? Maybe to the prosperity preachers, but I'm not one of them. And neither was Jesus, apparently. He didn't ride around in the newest camel uh, with the newest Nike sandals. He didn't. We're actually told that he didn't have a place to lay his head at sometimes, and that he... Uh, was considered poor even even as a young child. They had to do the lesser sacrifice, not a lamb, but rather birds. And so, Jesus didn't live this kind of luxuriant lifestyle. The Scripture talks about and inextricably links the Christian life to suffering, not to wealth. So, this creeping in of an idea of our own personal mansion may be a little off-tilt, Instead, a better translation is found here in the ESV where it says many rooms, a room for you, really even the idea of room for God. Now, I actually, you know, when I come across a, just even a basic term sometimes, I just go and look it up, I, you know, it's just what I do, you know, and so I looked up the etymology of the term room, I looked at the uh, Webster Dictionary of the term room, a couple things came out, Number one, room is a space, Right? So, like you say, hey, do you have room for me? What you mean is, do you have some space for me? You don't typically mean, like, you know, hey, you're going to build a house for me and put a room in there? Now, it can also mean that, though, right? Inside of a home, you have rooms, right, that are sectioned off by walls. It can also mean that. But it also means a space or capacity. Like that one. Think about this. We made capacity, we made room for, we made uh, space for Blakely in our lives. And now she is one of us. I mean, this morning, it was every morning, but this morning, you know, it's like every single morning I do the same thing. They're, they're asleep in the bed. She typically at that point is, is with Jessica in the early morning. I go get a shower early, come out, and the first thing I do is go kiss her on the head. That's just my routine. When I do, I look at them, they're both normally sleeping... And you know how people look when they're sleeping, right? Even if you're mad at them, you're like, Oh, I look pretty calm, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like your kids. For instance, if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, then you know, just disregard. But if you have kids, you can be really upset with them and stuff. But when they go to sleep, you're like, Oh, look at that little fella, you know? Um, it's like, well, where'd that... <laughs> Remember what they did earlier today, you know? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter when they are go to sleep. No, they are asleep, and my heart nearly exploded. No joke. I mean, it just physically, I can feel pain I love them so much because we make room for her and what Jesus is pointing us here to is not some mansion in the sky that we get to lock ourselves into and watch TV all day and play with our toys that are earthly none of that actually features in this text. remember this is actually right before Jesus goes to the cross. it is literally his last night with his disciples and he's not painting pictures of materialism in their head is he when you actually read through the text heaven's actually never mentioned here and so we've misunderstood so what is going on here then well let's begin here in verse one briefly let not your hearts be troubled why would he say that because some of us are troubled Some of his disciples were troubled. Remember, the chapter before that is 13 where he washes their feet and he reveals to them that there will be a betrayal. Now, you remember Peter, don't you? We like to kind of pick on Peter, take jabs at Peter, but Peter's got some good things going for him that the other disciples, quite frankly, do not. Remember what he said, Jesus is coming around, he's bending down, washing each disciple's feet. But when he gets to him, he says, no, 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 you're not going to touch my feet, big guy. I'm beneath that. In other words, you're, you're greater than me. You're not, you're not about to wash my feet. I'm not going to let you do that. You, these other guys may let you do that. I'm not letting you do that. Because you are greater than them. I know who you are. And Jesus says, no, no, Peter. If I don't wash your feet, you're not one of me. He says, oh, okay, hallelujah. Let's uh, wash the whole body then. You see how Peter thinks? He's he's passionate. He's extreme in his love for Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I need to wash your feet, big guy. You're not part of me. Hey, let's dunk the whole body then. Jesus says, no, 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 no. (laughs) Slow down, Peter. You're already clean. I just need to wash your feet, big guy. And so he kneels down and washes Peter's feet. Then Peter says, look. Jesus says, hey, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter says, not me. I will go to the grave and die for you. Jesus. Jesus looks at him. I'm sure with compassion and says, Peter, before the night's even over, man, you're going you're gonna to betray me three different times and act like you didn't know me. We are troubled. As he's sitting there at supper, the very one who will betray him, he's sharing the meal with. The last supper, communion, he's sharing a meal with with the one who will kiss him soon in betrayal. Sound familiar? It does in my life. I oftentimes partake of his supper, kiss him, and then walk out the door betraying him at the same time with the way I live. We're troubled. We're troubled, which is why he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. We don't have to be troubled, we have a home. We have a room, Jesus says. We have room in God Himself. He's created that room for us. That space, that capacity to know Him. That chamber of His love. This morning, I picked up two passengers on the way to church. Now, they weren't... uh, Well, actually, three passengers. I had to pick up Jackson. We forgot that he had to be here early. Um, but on the way here, I actually picked up two bouncy balls. Now, these balls actually belong to me in other words, they actually I bought them at Walmart, and yet they floated they blew away from my house you know these big balls that, these big bouncy balls boom, boom, that you buy at Walmart so one of them was placed on my doorstep last night by I believe it was Matt Michael from across the street uh, and and I saw it there, and i didn 't go out and get it, it as you know who cares? It's one of the toy, one of the many toys that are strewn across my yard, you know, messing up my grass. But, um, and so in the morning, though, I saw it across the street at Aaron's house. Okay, well, you know, kind of blew away over there, right? Well, then when I got, I went to my office early this morning, came back to the house, and it was actually down the street. Like tucked tucked away in this uh, in this thing of bushes, it was actually just sitting. I was like, "Oh, that's the same bouncy ball, you know." And uh, I was like, "Okay, whatever. I'll get it later on today." Well, then I went down the road a little ways, and I got a call from Jessica. I turned back around to pick up my first passenger, which is Jackson. And it was blowing down there It was going down the street, just rolling down the street, like it had its own business going on, you know. Is going down the neighborhood and then took a right. Actually, no joke. It, it went down the street and it took a right and was going out. So I followed. I was like, "Well, hang on, I, I, I got to pick this guy up." You know, it's my, that's my bouncy ball. You know, it has a home. It's wandering, but it has a home. So I went and drove, pick it up. The other one was across a ditch, out of completely out of the neighborhood. Left the reservoir, right? And, and actually was across in the ditch. And I stopped in the middle of the road. People looking at me, driving past like, what the hell is this guy doing all dressed up in the woods, right? And, and I picked up my bouncy ball, put it in my truck. Why? Because they were mine. You know what? We are gods. You are not your own. You have a home. You have a room that is prepared just for you. And even though we wander around and are blown about by life's troubles, we have a home. We must not forget that. We do because we're troubled. We're troubled with the way that we live. We're troubled by sin. We're troubled by the world, by suffering, by death, by evil. We're troubled. Troubled by ourselves. you haven't realized, you're your own worst enemy. Not that so, we can blame the devil, we can blame other people, just like our first parents did, it does no good. It's us. It's us. And the good news is <laughs> we have a home. He's not just preparing some fat mansion up in heaven, but instead, he has prepared a body. Isn't that what the scripture says? You remember in the Old Testament, right? Right in the beginning, God comes to them in a garden. His first fellowship with us is in a garden. The next place that He locates Himself, if you will, as far as space in the world, is actually in a family, right? With Abraham. He's the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? In other words, this family right here is a place where you can find me. That family turns into Israel. God's chosen family elect people and then God says you know what I want to come and be with you so how does he do that he says you know what Moses I need you to set up a tent for me God's going all primitive right everybody all right I mean that was kind of funny I thought no man are either y'all are not listening or I'm just really bad this morning uh, everybody okay? Good? I know there's some flashing going on. Let's be adults and try to pay attention real quick, alright? We've got we've got some material to work through and asking ourselves a question of what is a room? And what we have a home. Now notice this. God says, set up me up a tent. And I'm going to dwell in that tent. I'm going to... Actually, within the tent even, there's a place for me. So you can actually enter to the holy place, but you cannot go into the holy of holies. That's where I am. No one is allowed in there except for the high priest once a year... That's it. Nobody else has access. After that, God says, You know what? Well, actually, David says this. He says, God, I'm living in a huge house. It's really nice. You're still in a tent. Primitive, right? I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a big house. And God says, No, you're not. Your son will. You won't. You got too much blood on your hands. So, Solomon builds the temple. The temple being the place now where God says, You know what? You want to come to me? I'm there. I'm there in the Holy of Holies. Remember, behind the veil, big curtain. And by the way, that curtain you would have never been able to tear with your own hands. A very thick curtain. And they wanted to make sure that nobody nobody just wandered accidentally in there. And so then Jesus comes. Jesus comes in the flesh. Literally, the term is tabernacles with us. Like the tabernacle before Him. He, God, tabernacles. In other words, I want to be with you. What's the best way to be with you? Not living in a tent. Not living in a garden. Not living in a temple. But rather, living in a body. And so He comes. And when He dies, actually on the very day that He dies, you know what happens to that curtain that separates us from the holiest place? You know what happens to that curtain? It gets torn open. And the high priest, I'm sure, almost had a heart attack. Because now everybody can see in straight away. You know what God's point is in that? Jesus has opened the way for the holy of holies to be accessible. To be... uh, Enabled for all of us. In other words, He made room for us. Just like in my truck. My truck is a disaster all the time. And if anybody's going to ride with me, I have to clean stuff out. I got to get it out. And you're like, hey, let me, I'll, I'll just catch a ride with you. I'm like, okay, all right, let, let's clean out a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Like just throwing stuff everywhere. Um, and that's how you make room. God has torn through all the red tape, all the policy and procedures, and He's opened the thing wide open today on Pentecost. In other words, the Spirit has descended upon all people. Remember the reading from Joel? Joel actually has another uh, prophecy, and that is that the Spirit will be given to all people. Not just to the judges, remember? Not just to the prophets, not just to the kings, not just to the special people God elected, but now, now the Spirit has been giving, has descended upon all, and the Holy of Holies has now been chambered in our own heart. This can be the holiest of places and spaces. The holiest room, if you will. Sounds like amen to me, right? And I will ask the Father, notice this, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. Don't you love that? Do you remember that Jesus also breathes upon His disciples? That term breath, that term wind, is actually a very biblical image of of the Holy Spirit. He said, who is the Holy Spirit anyway? Well, the Scripture is pretty clear, even though it leaves a lot of room for uh, ideas. In other words, it's it's clearer on Father and Son. Spirit, a little more open, but notice the kind of language here in the Bible. Life. Remember when He creates us? He breathes within us life, which the term is literally Spirit. So he breathes in us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings life, the Lord and giver of life. But not only that, wind. Did you catch in the day of Pentecost? on the day of Pentecost, what happens? It was a violent wind. Have you ever been in a violent? If you live around here, you've been in a violent wind, right? I was in violent wind the other day when that storm came through and hit Huntsville. Trucks doing all this number. I've been in a violent wind in 2011 at my house. I mean, my trees were doing this number. And that's no joke. They shouldn't be doing that. Trees don't do that. That's why they broke. Violent wind. Break every chain. Some of us need a violent wind to rush through our lives uncontrollably to break the chains of sin. You can't control the wind. Have you noticed that? I wish I could control the wind. Doing all the training that I did for the triathlon that I just completed last week, one of the things I hate most about cycling and not running so much, but cycling in particular, is the wind. It is, it is my enemy. Until, on the way back, the wind gets behind me, right? Oh, man, I'm like, man, I got record time right now. I must be really working on my leg. No, it's the wind. It's the wind. It's the wind, actually. But when you're going in opposition to the wind, it is a tough road, it's awful. You can't hear anything. I can't even hear it. Truck come up behind me. I can't even hear it. It's because of the wind. And all the force on me, I'm having to pedal twice as hard to get anywhere. You ever feel like that in your Christian life? You ever feel like that in your life? That's because you're in opposition to the wind. Let the wind get behind you and uphold you and push you forward. That's where he wants to be. When you do that, I'm telling you, I'm sailing down Mooresville Road or Greenbrier. I'm just rolling. I'm getting like 20 miles Plus, on my bike. You know what? You can do that in your uh, Christian life. Yes. It's not something we have to struggle. You say, I have a tough time forgiving people, loving people, doing, doing kind things. For I have trouble in my marriage. I have trouble here or there. We're troubled, right? You know what? Receive the Spirit today. Yes. Let His wind blow when it does. Let it blow out some things in your life so that you might be clean and then let Him propel you forward. Now, it's not, it doesn't mean that you don't paddle anymore. But it means that you're going to have a ton of help. And it's going to be so much easier. In other words, just because it's difficult, don't stop. A lot of things difficult in life. Actually, some of the greatest things in life are difficult. Having a baby, that's difficult. But it also makes your heart want to explode. With love. Not only life, breath, wind, but also fire. <laughs> Tongues of fire, do you remember? You remember also at night the children of Israel were led by what? A pillar of fire. They were led by the Holy Spirit. Not only this. By the way, fire is awesome too, right? I don't even have to go into that. I mean, anybody that's ever been around a campfire, everybody's like this. Yeah, man, this is great. It's awesome. What are y'all doing? Oh, just sitting around a fire? Fire's is just awesome. Isn't it? You ever been, come to my house next time we have a bonfire. I'll show you that. It's awesome. My fires are awesome. We throw Christmas trees in there, right? There's no way you can't miss the fire. Water. Now that's interesting. The, the Holy Spirit also, water. Remember, He's hovering over the water? Baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of this language is here in the Bible. Who else is the Holy Spirit? Cloud. You remember the cloud by day. You remember the cloud that descended upon the temple, upon the tabernacle, so heavy nobody get. You remember Isaiah's message in our, our uh, calling in Isaiah six. He said the place was filled with smoke, fire, smoke, cloud. Not only that, dove, right? I mean, right here. Look at, all the, look at all the imagery here. Why a dove? Does that mean we can't go dove hunting? What, what, what's up with the dove, right? I mean, where does that even come from? The sin of the dove? I didn't read it in, the, in the Day of Pentecost anything about a dove descending. Rather, right? tongues of fire. Where's the, the doves with Noah? The world's been baptized literally with water. And they're wondering if there is a world anymore. If they're ever going to get off this boat, what do they send out? They send another bird, but then they send a dove. What does the dove come back with? A branch, harvest, fruit, produce. Remember what we've been talking about the past few weeks? That's what the dove rep- represents, excuse me, is new life. He descends upon us to give us new life. That means that it's not just your life. Just like when you're married. You're no longer living just your life. That's got to go. I actually texted a friend of mine uh, in, in, in uh, Ohio. He said, hey, how's married life going, man? He said, well, it's not easy, but it's going great. Why is it not easy? Because living with another person is not easy. And when we receive the Spirit, we're not alone. Co-indwelling. Mutual relationship. <laughs> There's this old term... It may be be too too much, but co-inherence. He inheres in us in a way that's relational. It's not all God's will only and none of ours. It's not all our will and none of God's. Rather, this is a mutual, loving relationship. And God says this to us. He says, you know what? The picture of that, the image of that is actually marriage. So that's the closest you're going to get of my relationship to my church is the union between husband and wife. And so He's in a real way not built us a mansion with a bunch of money and our own personal car and all these things that we desire materially, but instead He has created space in Himself. Heaven is about Jesus. Notice what He what he says here he says if i go to prepare a place for you i will come again and will take you to myself what's what's this all about it's not about powerpoints or my preaching or the singing instead it's about god your relationship to jesus you come to this and you just blah 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 okay good let's go eat something You know, that's not why we're doing this. I just want you to know that. It's really not. We need to make room for God. He's made room for us. In Himself, He's made room. God is perfect, isn't He? I mean, by definition, literally, philosophically, God is actually perfect. That's what it means to be God. That's why none of us are God, because we're not perfect. One reason we're not God. There's actually multiple reasons we're not God. But that's one of, them, one of the main reasons. Now, follow me. If He's perfect, He doesn't need us. So why did He create us? Out of a super abundance of love. I don't need five kids. <laughs> but we love them so much. I don't have to have friends. I really, you know, but I have them. You don't have to come to church, but you do. You don't have to get involved in other people's life, but you do. Why? Because relationships are the building blocks of true life and joy and happiness. To recluse is darkness. Is the enemy's plan for you. He wants to get you alone. He wants to lock you in a chamber, in a room. But God's room is where God dwells. And now He tells us, I'm everywhere, man. Not just located here or there. I'm breaking out into every human heart. That includes our heart. Do you have room for God? Do you have space for God in your life? There are many things we could talk about, but you already know that distract us, that prevent us from making room for God. That prevent me. That crowd God out of my life. And we need his wind to blow through. He need his water to rush in. His fire to cleanse. You say, Well, how do we how do we do that? Well, Thomas thankfully asked a question. We didn't read it. It's on down the line here. He says, Jesus says, Hey, you know where I'm going. Thomas says, I don't know where you're going. <laughs> That'd be me. That'd I'm, like, I'm more like Thomas. You know. I'm like, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. I don't know where you're going. I misunderstood something. You see, the disciples thought Jesus was trying to set up some earthly kingdom, some earthly mansion. No. No. The room is God. That's where He wants us to dwell. Hallelujah. He wants to dwell in us. He's made room for us. We now need to make room for Him. And this is what Pentecost celebrates. Jesus said, this is the wait for the promise of the Father. What is that promise? The Spirit descending in power from on high. You want a heavenly gift that comes down to earth who is the Holy Spirit. Then this morning you must go the way that Jesus went. Who is that? Jesus says clearly to Thomas, I am the way. I and my Father are one. Notice his language here again. He says, you believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is the only way to receive the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit that the Spirit brings. The joy, the love that He brings to for Christ's work to be appropriate. Jesus says, I will be with you always. But He very clearly says, I'm leaving. So how is He going to be with us always? It's through His Holy Spirit. As Christians, we must have God's Spirit, another person living in us. We must make room for Him. We are not making decisions based off just our own head. Doing life alone, but rather with God and He with us. We must be one with Him in union and communion with God. And so this morning, He stands at the door and knocks. Here's what He says. If you open the door of your heart, then I will come in and commune with you. Be with you. Live with you. I'll come into your room. And you think to yourself, hang on, I just, <clears throat> this is too much. I, I, you know, I, I like the way I'm living my life. I like the way... Do you really, first of all? And secondly, you say, it's going to really limit me. If I mean, then i got to do like Christian things and all this kind of... You know, act a certain way. Let me tell you something. There is freedom in the Spirit. Amen. Not a cookie cutter. No one at this place is going to force you into a cookie cutter type of religion we're not going to i'm going to make sure that's my job is to make sure nobody's out there doing that sort of thing there's freedom in jesus christ but you'll never know that freedom unless you open the door and let him come in and that's going to require you kicking some things out of your life so what's it going to be i don't know that's between you and god you are Know what prevents you, what distracts you, what overcrowds your life. Get rid of it. What is more important than God? Your Creator. Your Maker. You only have so many days on this earth, but you have eternity as a result of the consequences by which you live. Invite the Spirit in this morning. The same spirit that descended about 2,000 years ago upon these disciples and apostles, both men and women in the upper room, room again, could this not be turned into an upper room this morning? There's no right way of doing church and doing this and that and an altar call. Half the time I don't even know what I'm doing other than just trying to follow God. We all are, aren't we? Nobody has it down. That's okay. We're meant to be led by the Spirit, not to be in charge. That's freeing for me. I don't have to do everything. We're a body. We're a body, and he wants God wants this morning, God wants to raise you up to be placed in his body. Maybe to be a big toe. Maybe be a kneecap. Maybe to be an ear to listen. How many listeners do we need? But we're too distracted, spiritually speaking, on our fo- You ever talk to somebody that's on their phone? I just stop talking. Like if I'm at lunch with somebody and they get on their phone, I just stop talking. They're like, oh. I'm like, you, you ready? I'm not going to waste my breath. Put down your spiritual phone this morning and turn to God. Create the space for God. He'll rush in and change your life and call you, fill you with joy and all the good things that He brings. Come to the fire. We're called to be light. We've already talked about that. And we must be followers of the way. What is the way? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So we're actually going to do something different this morning. We're going to make use of this fire that burns every single Sunday. You ever notice? the fire here that's on purpose that's not just some decorative thing oh it's a cool candle no no everything we try to do here has meaning and that candle burns because it represents the spirit's presence with us and in us so what i'm going to ask you to do this morning as a response to this word is to take a candle and put it to that candle and guess what'll happen it's going to catch fire you get the point? Catch fire. Fire's not easily controlled, so it 's a dangerous thing to invite fire into your life, into your heart. in other words, you 're not going to be in control. but I can promise you that the result of that God knows only i don 't know, but He will call you and do things into your life that you 'd never think imaginable. you 'll find a new power to love people. Your marriage, your family, your friends, your co workers, the world will be different if we will allow His fire to purge us. So I want you to, I'm going to ask actually, um, Jesse, why don't you help me and, uh, and Christopher? We need, to, we need to get a candle in anybody's hand that, that wants to do this. We've got these little protective coverings here so it won't drip wax everywhere, right? And what I want you to do is I want you to come to the fire. Literally. I mean, that's that's what we're saying here. And let let me just end with this right here. He's made room for us. So just like on that first Pentecost, let's make room for Him in this upper room this morning. Notice how John 14 ends. Rise. Let us be going. Amen.